please rate, review, and subscribe to Dare to Explore wherever you listen to podcasts. Dare to Explore is powered by the U.S. Space and Rocket Center Education Foundation, which supports the educational programs of the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, home of Space Camp, working to inspire the next generation of explorers. Learn more about the Foundation's mission at rocketcenterfoundation.org. Yes, we, we did a lot of the research. Space had always been of interest to me, and so I was a kid in the candy store to be able to go and speak to all these people that were engaged in, in space exploration and get an opportunity to ask some questions that um, uh, I'd always had, you know, and get the feedback from experts. And, and in terms of space camp, we tried to be as faithful to all the um, uh, processes that Space Camp made available to campers. Uh, and I incorporated most of them that were active at that time into our movie, you know, and tried to serve it, you know, serve the story that was being told in so doing. Harry Weiner is a director, producer, and writer. His television work includes Alias, Veronica Mars, Felicity, Heart to Heart, and many others. He's written, directed, or produced more than 25 films, including 1986's Space Camp. He's president of Smash Media, a professor at NYU, and is a member of the Space Camp Hall of Fame. I'm Ryan Faricelli. Join me as I learn what makes this extraordinary individual dare to explore. I've got a spaceship that I'm waiting for. I'm flying up to the stars. I'm gonna dare to explore this time. And I'll let you know what I find. My parents had a community theater. My mother was a director of the community, the plays that the theater put on. My dad was a producer, but they had other, you know, this was their avocation and their love and their means of keeping the community together. So as a 12 year old or 13 year old, I, I got up on the boards uh, in the first play I was ever in. So theater was running through the course of the family, but I was very much into, um, politics uh, given the 60s really? you know when it came to going to college uh, my dad said I went to Michigan you're going to Michigan so there wasn't much of a choice but I'm grateful for having gone there and uh, while I was at in Ann Arbor two things happened one I was working for Eugene McCarthy in the um, presidential campaign of 1967 I was intent upon going to law school and getting involved in politics to change the world. And uh, uh, thinking that was a way to do so, I got to go to the uh, convention, the Democratic convention in 1968. And while I was on the convention floor, there was this moment where everyone was dancing to uh, Hubert Humphrey's uh, campaign song, Happy Days Are Here Again prior to Humphrey coming to the stage and above all the conventioners' heads, there were televisions that were uh, uh, posted, uh, all of which showing uh, students being beaten up in the park in Chicago. And I said, 
that image um, is irreconcilable. Of course, I'm revealing some of my politics, which may not be appealing <laughs> to everybody. But I left I left uh, um, the convention floor and went to the park. You know, more as an observer than a participant, but saw the world coming down around me. You know, where the police were beating up the protesters and 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 the like. And I realized that I didn't have the thick skin to go into politics and, and wasn't willing to make the compromises that I felt um, were necessary in order to survive in the political landscape. Concurrently at that time, I made a, a movie for the 150th anniversary of the University of Michigan with a fraternity and sorority, you know, that whole thing. And they had this winter weekend where whatever it is that people created were housed in booths. And our booth was a movie theater that uh, everybody constructed. And I did a musical uh, with uh, friends of mine had a band and they wrote the music. And I got all these people who subsequently became bankers and lawyers and doctors <laughs> to be dancing on the steps of the library to this music. And uh, I didn't uh, know anything about Sing Sound. I'd never made a movie before, um, but somehow it, it won first prize at uh, the event. And so uh, it was like the first movie that anybody had seen at, at uh, the school there. Nobody had really, uh, they just started the first film course there. So while that was in the back of my mind, I, I registered for law school <laughs> and spent two weeks in law school and realized, no, what I really want to do is take a shot and, and go to um, learn about filmmaking. And I didn't know much about it at all um, and got into USC, University of Southern California, to go to the film school there. When I got there, I realized how little I knew about filmmaking and, and that sort of know got me on a trajectory i went there I, I made a deal with myself i'll go there for one year um and of course i, I lived there for 30. um but uh what i realized in film was how many of our values are shaped by what it is that we see in the media and i thought that you know through the stories that i would tell <clears throat> at least some of the values that i held dear might be infused in the characters and that i could accomplish some of what I was um, hoping to accomplish politically by the stories that I would tell and, and the characters, uh, heroes, journeys that I, I, would, I would bring forward. There were a couple of uh, milestones, I think, one of which was when I, I made my thesis film there at USC, it, it got a AFI, American Film Institute, scholarship to work with a, um, a, a working director and the working director was John Schlesinger who won an Academy Award for Midnight Cowboy and and uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday and and uh, um, Far From the Madden Crowd an English director who's a wonderful wonderful guy and uh, so that certainly gave me my introduction to Hollywood uh, and actually the production designer who was on that show was a brilliant production designer for all the major British films <clears throat> of that era, Richard McDonald. And Richard was the first person I turned to to be production designer on Space Camp. And so that's the continuity there. The other is that I had uh, worked um, as a anything I could do in the film business while waiting for my break to be to direct something and and uh, 
I was working as a director of photography on one of my film school buddies' short films, a short film that launched his career. And this is Randall Kleiser, um, who directed Grease. So on the <laughs> basis of this small film that we were doing, he got the movie Grease. Um, but while we were doing it, the producer of the film was this extraordinary woman, Diane Baker, who was a major actress in the 50s and 60s, uh, working with Alfred Hitchcock and, and did, was in the movie Anne Frank. And her mentor was, um, uh, and the father figure was Melvin Douglas, who was uh, uh, the role, he was the Brad Pitt of his era in the <laughs> 40s, right? Uh, while I was serving as DP, Melvin calls over Diane and says, look at him, me. He's the one who's a real director. Um, you should you should keep your eye on him. And so Diane came to me afterwards and says, let's do a movie together. And we raised uh, finances. She was significant in that process. And I wrote with another person a script that then became my first paid gig as a director <laughs> that launched my career. Um, but the final piece, just along those lines, is that I was working in series television, and this leads to Space Camp. And uh, um, I had been um, encouraged as a young filmmaker to take a real job at a network and learn about the business. And so I spent several months having been asked to be the director of comedy for ABC, you have to meet all these people at various echelons in order to get approved. <clears throat> and after about three months on this track, um, I uh, uh, went in and met the president of the network, a fellow by the name of wonderful man by the name of Brandon Stoddard. And he was on the phone and his secretary asked if I'd wait a little bit because he had some business to tend to. And I'm sitting in the lobby waiting for him and I'm, watching all these people in suits walk by. And I said, you know what? This isn't the life that I want for myself. <laughs> Went and met with him and I said, I really appreciate all these months of investment in me, but I've decided that I wanna be a film director. I don't wanna be a um, network executive. And now well, you can imagine that's a little ballsy. And, and so instead of booting me out of the office he says i totally understand there was a moment when i had a similar path diverging in the wood and chose to go down a different one so i wish you i wish you well in your efforts well i remained unemployed for a number of years afterwards bemoaning the fact that i hadn't um, <laughs> taken the high paying job that I had been offered. <laughs> but, when, but then when I finally started directing some serious television, I met Leonard Goldberg and ended up working for him a lot. And a few years later down the road, um, after I'd made my first couple of movies for television, I heard that Brandon Stoddard, the president of the network, ABC had just started a feature division, ABC Motion Pictures. And I heard that Leonard was going to be producing the next movie after um, War Games um, with Matthew Broderick. Right. Um, and it was called uh, Space Camp. When I had been with Brandon Stoddard years before, I've said, 
Well, one day, I hope that we'll get a chance to work together with me directing and, and you uh, being uh, the executive on the movie, just as a way of parting ways. Well, these years later, I said, you know what? I know Len, I know Brandon vaguely. Leonard certainly knows what I'm capable of. Brandon does. I wrote them each a letter and I wrote Brandon and I said, um, this is our opportunity to make good on the uh, on the promise that we uh, made all those years ago <laughs> and wrote Len and said something similar. And lo and behold, they gave me the opportunity to direct uh, Space Camp. The Intuitive Planetarium is an immersive digital dome theater experience that offers educational astronomy shows, live entertainment, and exciting theater experiences. The only one of its kind in the Southeast, the Intuitive Planetarium at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center offers an 8K digital planetarium and digital dome experience. Additional time tickets are required for Intuitive Planetarium experiences. Visit rocketcenter.com for tickets today. idea for space camp come from patrick bailey was the one who sold the idea about space camp uh, patrick is an avid flyer uh, aviator I, I don't recall i don't believe he ever went to space camp but he had heard about it and thought that that was the basis of a good <clears throat> good movie and he sold it to len and they uh, um, had a, a a script developed did, did you all visit the real space camp. I know that you ended up filming there, but you know, fortunately, we had the opportunity to go do all sorts of um, prep for the sh show that included going to space camp and going to um, uh, uh, the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, you know, got wonderful tours of everything to try to um, understand what was possible um, in bringing the film together. When you look back at the cast today, it's stunning. Obviously, Kate Capshaw and, and Leah Thompson, Kelly Preston, Joaquin Phoenix, of course, he was, he, was it Leaf? Was that what he went by back then? Uh, he was Leaf. Yes. Tom Skerritt, Terry O'Quinn, Tate Donovan. Like, if, if all of those folks were together today, you'd, you'd say that it was this all-star cast. It was an incredible cast. Uh, the, the touchstone was just going for the best actors for the roles. And, and, and quite candidly, there were, um, you know, Tom Skerritt had just come off of Top Gun. Right. And uh, I, I thought he was a perfect prototype for the role. Kate, um, I just loved as an actress and as a human being. She was a, a pretty remarkable person that had the gravitas as well as the spirit that, that I thought would breathe life into uh, um, her character. And, and, and Leah, if I'm not mistaken, had, had just finished filming Back to the Future. Uh, Back to the Future was released right after Space Camp. As I recall, I get my timing a little bit wrong, but I think she had just come up with that picture. And I was looking at her in dailies and, and saw her having the fire. Each of these people were, you know, wonderful human beings and had some strength and intelligence and passion. Leah hadn't broken really big time yet. Kate, of course, had come off of Indiana Jones. Right. Um, Kelly Preston 
who was as as delicious a human being and fun a spirit and and bright a star as as I could imagine. Just so much fun, and and so we definitely wanted to include her, but didn't think, you know, she she hadn't had any big career up up to that point. Um, and Tate, it was his first movie, and we had to fight to get Tate to be accepted by the studio um, because there were others who had many credits under their belt. <laughs> and and Leaf was just special from the time he walked in the door. I, I mean, to see his trajectory. Uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's the best actor of, it, of his generation, you know, and to see that at an emerging state and dealing with all of his fears as a 10-year-old, but all of his great qualities that he was able to summon. And at that time, um, his brother, River Phoenix, was still with us. And, and River was the one who would come to the set and give <laughs> him the counsel and the embrace to reassure him that it was okay to uh, go 40 feet up on wires from a stage floor in order to create the illusion of flying. You know, when <laughs> Leaf rightfully, Joaquin rightfully was terrified. <laughs> you know, but, uh, uh, you know, seeing that brotherly love makes all the loss of River that much more tragic. But uh, yeah. you can see a foundation there that, that I'm sure Joaquin built on when the subsequent years. What was it like trying to trying to film a movie while you were in the middle of a summer camp? It, it worked to our advantage because then it made it look as if there were more people there than probably we would have been able to bring. You know <laughs> what I mean? We incorporated them in the background. Right. So it was definitely the life of of uh, the camp that gave it some life. And then and, and Space Camp was so terrific, understandably, right. in support of the project that turned out to be you know, enormously beneficial in getting the name of Space Camp around, you know. Right. Um, but it was all well-deserved because what Space Camp, the real Space Camp, uh, U.S. Space and Rocket Center, has to offer is so essential for all of our progress, you know. Anybody that can inspire um, young people to the beauty and power of, of mathematics or engineering or robotics or aerospace, you know, um, we're, we're all going to benefit from it. When I do these interviews, probably seven out of 10 people, they cite that as a reason why they ended up where they were at and how they got associated with Space Camp. Their father or their mom or someone in their family took them to see the movie that you made, and that made everybody contact the real thing and, and go there to, to be a part of Space Camp. But hearing that, that all of these real scientists and astronauts that I've interviewed cite that, how does, how does that make you feel? Well, it's not a simple answer, but I'll tell you a story. Sure. When we finished the movie, I get a call in January of what I believe it was 1985 from Kate Capshaw, one of our leading ladies. She's in New York doing press for the movie that's supposed to release in May. And she says, Challenger just blew up. Turn on your television. After both grieving in horror at the tragedy that unfolded, she asked me, do you think that'll impact our movie? And I said, I can't imagine that it will because we're dealing with an idealized vision of what space can be that will linger uh, long after 
no matter what tragedy or events unfold. I was 100% wrong. Uh, when the movie was released, the whole nation, the whole world was so horrified by the hope that the teacher aboard Challenger represented as the first step towards making space accessible for the common person. Um, they were so horrified that nobody wanted to see a fantasy about the subject and the embrace and love of space exploration, which the movie carried with it. And so for decades, I carried around the feeling of what a major failure somehow I was responsible for because not as many people showed up at the movie theaters as everyone expected would. On the 30th anniversary of the release of the movie, Space Camp invited me to come speak at the 30th anniversary to celebrate the movie that was uh, we had all made. And um, I go to Huntsville and a number of people start coming up to me whom I don't know and thanking me for making the movie. And I was surprised but grateful. And then I find out who they were and how integral they were to the space program and astronauts and people of mission control and people in research and development that led to great discoveries in the space program, all of whom sharing with me what they shared with you, that having seen the film encouraged them to go into that particular field. One of the greatest life lessons I've had is realizing that we can't always count on the external world and approbation of others to define whether or not what we have created in life is of value. We can only count on the fact that we're giving it the best that we can with the resources and capabilities that we have and then trust that somehow we're going to reach somebody with whatever it is that we create. And uh, when I saw after 30 years that indeed the movie had the impact that I had originally hoped for, I realized uh, uh, that there was a lot of anxiety that was unnecessarily spent for lack of trusting that we had done the work that we needed to do in order to create a story that would have uh, impact even on however many people's lives. When it did release, was it considered a success? No. Up until Challenger, the dream that we shared as a nation, initiated by Jack Kennedy's throwing down the gauntlet saying we should go to space, and then all these extraordinarily talented people uh, collaborating to find a way to do so. It was a process of, of work that represented the best in human nature. You know, it was the most romanticized but concrete manifestation of our highest potential of working cross borders, cross ethnicities, cross countries um, uh, with a common mission and and seeing repeatedly what we as these fragile, small little human beings can create. And uh, I think that NASA as a symbol 
represented all that, the best that human nature has to offer. And then when it was crushed to the ground by the the horrors of, of our hopes blowing up with Challenger, everyone was so devastated that I believe it took literally decades for the country to re-embrace the space program um, and and get behind it because it, it was so traumatic. Uh, in the initial aftermath of, of the Challenger blowing up, nobody was interested in a fantasy about space because the, the reality of, of its dangers. When, when you look back on, on your career today, how would you say that, that space camp and being a part of all of that, how would you say that that's impacted the, the rest of, of the trajectory that your path has been on? In my obituary, they'll cite Harry Weiner, director of space camp. They won't <laughs> cite any of the other work that I've done, you know, because it was a fundamental step in my life, in my evolution as an artist, as a, as a, as a man. Um, it was profound profoundly disappointing when the film didn't have the audience that that was expected and as a consequence opportunities career opportunities became less um, because career opportunities in film business are generated by financial success because the, the stakes are so high and the investment is so great right. there's got to be a commensurate payoff right Nobody's looking at social circumstances that contribute to the way in which a film is received. It's they're looking at the bottom line, you know. So um, it, it had an impact professionally, but what it gave me philosophically and the perspective it provided along the lines of what I shared earlier in terms of in the greater scheme of things, why are we here? How do we deliver all that we want to deliver in life? How do we measure success? Um, it was the greatest teacher of all. Um, it's an experience that keeps on giving um, by being a member of the Space Camp Hall of Fame, the people that I've had an opportunity to meet who I have profound respect for. Just like you were saying, what they've accomplished and <clears throat> where I, I see mankind benefiting in so many, many, many ways. I'm there to encourage them, give them the feedback that they deserve in terms of keeping on, keeping on, doing what they're doing. And, and it's expanded my world uh, tremendously, giving me a chance to learn and hear about things that I wouldn't have uh, known otherwise. And, and that's what we're here for, you know, on this, the precious little time that we have in this lifetime, you know, to continue to understand how this, our place in this vast cosmos and, and um, give our lives some meaning and seize the opportunity to grow in any way that we can in our understanding of all these forces at play that impact our individual lives, but, but also interest us to the beauty of all these systems that are in place, some of which uh, God-given and some of which man created, um, but, uh, uh, you know, living in, in appreciation of the wonder 
that's there to behold. Well, you've went on to direct a lot of television shows that that a lot of folks surely have heard of. You know, you you did some Dawson's Creek and Felicity and Veronica Mars, uh, amongst others. And Heart to Heart was pre Space Camp, but you've directed a lot of a lot of television. Uh, and then eventually, you you formed your own production company. Can you can you speak a little bit about about what you do with Smash Media? Trying to find stories that move people. Once again, going back to the original notion that got me involved in film char- characters that have, uh, you know, some sort of pursuit of something that's meaningful in their lives and dealing with the struggles of of trying to achieve it and. Uh, for the most part, trying to get to a place where they actually do, no matter how many obstacles are in their way, just as a means of reaffirming the fact that, number one, everybody has problems, everyone has dreams, everybody has problems in achieving them, but if you somehow find a way or will to persevere, you will um, get closer to fulfilling your vision than than if you just give up. Um, And so it's all about inspiring uh, um, people you know, perseverance and and giving hope. Now, have all of my movies done that? No. One of the things I've learned is that uh, sometimes you got to feed your family, and <laughs> right. uh, the opportunities that present themselves don't necessarily fall in line with what it is that uh, you're aspiring to achieve. But there's the commercial efforts, and then those pave the way for a little bit more freedom to do. Um, something a little bit more meaningful, you know, um, you know whether or not it's with uh, exploring the healthcare system uh, with Laura Dern and damaged care, or whether or not it was exploring the after effects of the L.A. riots uh, with uh, Cicely Tyson and Melvin Von Peoples, and you know a number of others that were involved, Lucy Liu and and Luke Perry and uh, a whole bunch of folks. You know, the, these are all films that are enormously gratifying. You know, most of what I did were um, uh, movies for television when there was such a thing. Now, uh, it's more limited series that are the focus of the industry right now. This desire to, to inspire people and move people and, and make a difference, is that part of why you're, you do teaching now at, at NYU? Good question. Yes, a simple answer. Um, <laughs> you know, fil- filmmaking is a very self-involved process. Even though you're collaborating eventually with hundreds of people, sometimes more, you're spending most of your time trying to develop a piece of material that's going to give you an opportunity, and then you got to raise the financing in order to be able to turn that story into a production and then you got to sell the movie once you've done it and everything is in pursuit of trying to sustain your financial security or your dreams or your position in the business um, and so it really it revolves around your own personal needs and so to have something where you're able to pay it forward and help other next generation of filmmakers um, find their way it's a good balance for all the other stuff that you got to do just to serve your own personal goals. Train like an astronaut and get lost in space at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Shuttle simulator programs are available to try your hand at piloting the shuttle. 
and is based on both the past and the future of space exploration. Your team of up to four participants must work together to land the shuttle and bring the crew safely home. Museum admission is required. Find out available times, prices, and more at rocketcenter.com and get ready to blast off. were given a, an opportunity to go to space today would you go i'd have to overcome this terrible motion sickness that i get oh <laughs> and, and what i've heard from everyone who goes up into space but uh um you know my my greatest fear is that all the meds i could take in order to stabilize my inner ear i'd sleep through the whole process instead of being able to <laughs> enjoy it fully <laughs> but but if somebody comes up with a miracle drug that enables me to stay awake and go into space i'd seize the moment <laughs> instantaneously pursue your passion your passion today may change tomorrow but pursuing your passion today will lead you to what you need to understand that's going to take you where you ultimately end up and the way in which you pursue your passion is to make choices that bring you joy, that bring you peace. You'll know it as soon as you do something that, that makes you feel uneasy, find an alternative action that's gonna make you feel great. And that's what's going to eventually lead you to the place that you have the capacity to create for yourself. And don't give up, believe in yourself, you hear in every, awards show all these people who uh, made it to get a Grammy or Oscar or Emmy or whatever scientific award and they're saying uh, um, nobody would have believed that I'd be standing here today and uh, that's all within your grasp I've got a spaceship that I'm waiting for I'm flying up to the stars I'm gonna dare to explore this time and I 